Please open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. I'll be reading the whole chapter. Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. O Lord my God, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I trust the reading of God's word will bless the hearts of his people here this morning. Salvation is of the Lord. This great truth was declared by Jonah, the prophet of God. Being in the belly of that great fish, what Jonah declared in verse 9 of our text is what is declared in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, what does this declaration mean? Salvation is of the Lord. It means that God is the only one who does the saving. God begins this work of salvation in the sinner and performs it to glory. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. And in verse 6 there, we can read the the confidence of every blood-bought sinner. All of you this morning who are resting and trusting in your Redeemer, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one who has all power in heaven and earth. And beloved, if you're trusting in someone who has all power in heaven and earth, you're trusting in someone who cannot fail. And will not fail. (laughs) What a comfort to be taught by God's Spirit that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. He reigneth. And if you're trusting in Him, (laughs) you could be just as confident as the testimony we read in verse 6 here. Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The sinner does not do something 
to start salvation, nor does he do something to end salvation. All salvation is of God, of his grace, and for his eternal glory. It's in the details we hear the gospel, and I've, I've said this verse before, and I know those who, of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ, you never tire of hearing his words. <laughs> you might tire of hearing my words, and I, I was just saying to somebody before the service, man, listening to these recordings is torture. <laughs> but listening to the words of our Lord, it's not torture. He said this, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they'll never perish. If you have some strange notion that God is offering you eternal life, and you'll get it if you let him, God give you grace to get that wicked thought out of your mind. He sovereignly gives life to dead, damned, dirty sinners like you and me. And when he gives it, what does he say? They'll never perish. <laughs> because he's the author and finisher of our salvation. The author and finisher of that faith that is not of ourselves, but is the gift of God. The faith of Christ in our place before the throne of God. All salvation is of God. And he who has ears, let him hear. That's what our Lord prayed many, many times. He who has ears, let him hear. And we just have a visitor here this morning. If he's one of God's precious sheep, I don't know if he is or not. God will let you hear. Because <laughs> he only gives ears to his sheep. They're lost in the world. They've not yet heard. But at the appointed time, the appointed time of love, God performs a miracle and gives a man who once believed lies to believe the truth. And the truth is not a theological position, sir. <laughs> the truth is Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. If you hear him and you believe him, rejoice. You could not do that apart from being quickened by his spirit. He makes it known to his people that you were a sheep and all many years you were lost, but now you hear him and you are found, never to be lost. Salvation is by God's free and sovereign will. Turn over to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then this salvation, the salvation is of the, that is of the Lord, is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. He decides whom he will love and whom he will save. The sinner does not make a decision for salvation to be saved. It is God who decides for the salvation of a sinner. Beloved, he has chosen you. We did not choose him. And if you find yourself being very quiet, when God's Spirit testifies with your spirit that He chose you, well, that's a good testimony. That's the testimony of the disciples, is it not? 
He said to them, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. There was no murmuring. (laughs) They knew it, and every child of God knows it, by God's undeserved grace. It is by God's sovereign grace and mercy in Christ that grants salvation to a sinner. Look with me at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. And for people that come to this gathering of God's people, we're assembled here by God's grace as Christ's church. And if somebody wanted to know, well, what is it you all believe? If we read it right here in the beginning of this verse. God hath saved us. <laughs> that is the testimony of all God's people. God has saved us and called us with unholy calling, not according to our, our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus through his finished work before the foundation of the world, before the world began. It happened in eternity. And in time, God the Son gave his life a ransom, and it will continue to glory from its beginning to right now, to glory. I won't say end. <laughs> it's eternal life, beloved. To glory. Salvation is of the Lord. It's by his eternal, sovereign, unchanging love. Now, this morning, um, I'd like to ask and answer three simple questions. And I'm going to skip a whole bunch of things here. The time is a little short. I never can figure out this Bible study time. <laughs> But there's three questions I'd like to ask and answer, and I'll repeat them for you. The first question is, why does God not save everyone? Second, why doesn't everyone who hears the gospel believe it? And third, who are those who must be saved? Everyone that comes and gathers with us, we want them to believe. I want everyone who hears my gospel to believe. If he can save me, he can save anybody. He can save anybody. Why does God not save everyone? Well, perhaps you've heard people say that God is good. And that's true. But they have this idea that he will not ultimately condemn condemn anyone to hell. If you believe that lie, you will be condemned to hell. God is sovereign, and he will choose who will be saved and who will not. Throughout the scriptures, from Cain and Abel to the two thieves on either side of Christ, we have this dichotomy, these two groups of people. Throughout the scriptures, we have the sheep and the goats, vessels of mercy and vessels of wrath. The Lord said to the thieves, to one of them in particular, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. God, by his eternal and unchanging love, has chosen who will be saved and they that will be saved. For his elect, God the Father gave his Son that he might be the substitute for them. If you turn with me in John's Gospel, chapter 6, 
we read this wonderful testimony, and it is true, every word of it. And I'm so, so glad to ask people if they'd like to know what the Father's will is. Would you like to know what the Father's will is? <laughs> Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, declares the answer for us. In verse 37, rather, verse 39, we read this. <coughs> Excuse me. For, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor for men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and him ye will receive not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. <clears throat> I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm sorry. Beginning at verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will. I love this. <laughs> this is the glory of our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's a sovereign, successful Savior. He says of his finished work regarding his people, that of all that the Father has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Now, in religion, they have this idea that God, the Son, gave his life to redeem many in the world, <coughs> meaning um, some of them. You know, but let me tell you, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sovereign, successful Savior. Not one of his precious sheep will be lost. When he's before his heavenly Father in heaven, not one of his precious sheep will be lost. That is his glory. God, the Son, gave his life to redeem the many in the world, but all of his sheep, all the elect of God the Father. God the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the gospel, effectually calls the elect to be saved. So, next, my next question, why doesn't everyone who hears the gospel believe? Well, I'm just going to answer that question without my notes. I can feel myself reading. <laughs> I don't want to read to you. It's remarkable when you have ears to hear and believe what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ declares. You remember when he was before the Pharisees, those, those lying hypocrites. Uh, sir, those lying hypocrites are those who govern your conscience. Uh, some of you had that bad experience listening to some man pretending to be better than everyone else there. And he governs your conscience trying to get you to stop doing some things and doing some other things rather than preaching Christ and him crucified. When the Lord said to those hypocrites, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Their preaching was, do this written in the word of God and you'll be saved, or don't do that and you'll be saved. And our beloved Lord Jesus Christ said, the scriptures are they which testify of me. And when the Lord blesses the preaching of his word with his spirit, <laughs> Our beloved Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, calls forth the spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father. And when that spirit comes in power, the spirit testifies of him. Now, why is it that not everyone who hears the gospel believes it? Because not everyone in this world is a lost sheep. This idea that everyone is a sheep candidate 
and you're a goat until you turn into a sheep is just, just nonsense. God give you grace to get that wicked thought out of your mind. In fact, when we listen to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speak with those Pharisees. This is recorded for us in John's Gospel, chapter 10. We see the one who is Emmanuel in the flesh, God with us in the flesh, the one whose eyes are aflame with fire, who knows the past from the beginning, the beginning and the end. And he looks at these lying hypocrites, these pretenders, these religious showmen, and he says to them, you don't believe. And then he gave the reason why. Because you're not my sheep. It wasn't that they didn't have their theology in order or they needed a better preacher to come along. I mean, I've heard people talk about Spurgeon being the prince of preachers. No, no. The Lord Jesus Christ is the prince of preachers. <laughs> and the reason why they don't believe is because they're not his sheep. But beloved, sit there where you are. I'll stand right here and just ponder it for a moment and think on it. The reason why you believe, the reason why you hear him is because from before the foundation of the world, God purposed to save his people in election. And speaking of those people, the Lord Jesus Christ said he gave his life for the sheep. When he prayed that great priestly prayer, it's remarkable while in religion, in Roman Catholicism, in all of the false religion that is in the world, whatever you want to call it, whatever ism it is, they don't preach the whom we trust and believe. And they lie on God and they lie on men. They say, everyone is a candidate to be saved. Christ gave his life as a ransom. His precious blood was spilt for every single person in the world. And if you have ears to hear him, it won't, be, it won't be, Glenn, someone coming up to you and saying, hey, do you believe in limited atonement, <laughs> particular redemption? No. You believe because you've heard the great high priest pray in his great priestly prayer. He said, I don't pray for the world, but those you've given me out of the world. What a blessing it is to know, to read that passage and know you were in view when he said, I don't pray for the world but I pray for my people. And it isn't just a people without, without feeling and without love. <laughs> when you read Psalm, turn there with me. In Psalm chapter 2, we see the eternal covenant of grace in this psalm. When we hear even Throughout the scriptures, God's sending his son. And this is one portion where we can read that. In verse 6, we read God declaring, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, the father saying in eternal agreement with the son, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen, the nations, for thine inheritance, the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. <laughs> we're, her, we're his purchased possession, beloved, and from eternity. And, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to adequately convey <laughs> what took place in that, that eternal covenant of grace. 
But he was thinking about you, beloved. He chose you. <laughs> the, the wretch you are. It's a sovereign grace. It's a free grace. It's an undeserved grace. And the only thing uh, a believer can say if, if they were to actually try and seriously answer the question, why is it that God saved you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I do know this. From before the foundation of the world, as he said to, to Moses, Moses said, show me your glory. And our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit said, this is my glory. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. What a marvelous gospel it is, beloved, to know as you are here or any time during the next couple of days or throughout your life, you constantly trace back to the throne of grace the reason why you believe. It was because of His grace, His undeserved grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that is the gift of God, not of works so that no man can boast. Remember, God is sovereign. He reigneth, and he gives his gift to whom he will. And he has not purposed that all men receive his gift. But when he gives it, beloved, that calling and those gifts, they're, they're without repentance. They're irrevocable. <laughs> They're irrevocable. That's why you go day to day being a miracle. <laughs> you continue believing. You're kept by the power of God, kept by the faithfulness and the uprightness of Christ. Power, His power. And how much power? Unmitigated power. <laughs> the sun, no, that's nothing. The moon, the stars, nothing. <laughs> He's keeping His people. He's keeping his people. In fact, the scriptures, I don't have the reference. It talks about him making the stars with his fingers, fingertips, but were kept by his strong arm. <laughs> his strong arm. He gives spiritual life to the sinner dead in trespasses and sins. He gives spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, so that his sheep hear his voice and believe on Christ. All this by his grace and for his glory. Take a look with me at Ephesians. <clears throat> Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us. There are some people in this world the Father has eternally chosen to be saved by his Son. And every one of them will be saved. At the appointed time of love, he'll send some nobody like me <laughs> to cross the path of one of his precious sheep, and they'll open their mouth and preach to them Jesus. And they won't know what happened. They won't be able to explain it. They'll be like Lazarus. They'll hear Christ's voice by the Spirit saying, Come forth. And if you spoke to Lazarus, you ask him, How is it that you came out of that tomb? 
He'd just say, I don't know what happened. All I know is I heard Christ. <laughs> I heard Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Beloved, if you are right now, and friend, if you are right now believing on Christ, the eternal Lamb of God will be able to look at you <laughs> and say, Behold, an Israelite indeed, who is holy and without blame in love. Now, you and I both know that this man, Nathaniel, that the Lord said that to, he said, Behold, a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. Nathaniel was filled with guile, just like me and you, but he was looking at one of his precious sheep washed in his blood from before the foundation of the world. One of his precious sheep clothed in the best robe. <laughs> and that's what we have through the gospel. It's been given to us, beloved, to be without blame before him in love, having predestinated us by the adoption of children unto us, the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Ese es uno de los versículos que me encanta. Porque en español, I'm going to translate this verse in Spanish. My, our friend here, Daniel, speaks Spanish. Y, and the Lord taught me the gospel, not in English, <laughs> but in Spanish. He saved me in another language. Imagine that. I never really thought about it to now. But verse 5, sir, in Spanish, salvation is según el puro afecto de su voluntad. It's according to his pure will only, if you want to hear that in English. I kind of like it in the Spanish better, but it's the same thing in English. Salvation is of the Lord. That's what we're talking about this morning. Oh, that notion that damning lie that you can be saved Friday and over the weekend you can lose your salvation is preached by liars and robbers, robbers and liars. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you are his precious sheep, found and rejoicing, or yet is not found yet, hear the Lord Jesus Christ say it. I'll say it again. It's thrilling. <laughs> it's our hope. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. Okay, what of the man who says you can lose your salvation? He's a liar. He's a liar. I'm not behind this pulpit so you believe me. I'm behind this pulpit that if God be pleased to use this nobody, that you believe Christ, believe him. Salvation is found in believing a person, not some theological position, not some doctrinal distinctive, but to believe Christ. There are multitudes that believe in Jesus Christ. And the very heartbreaking thing is, and it's very solemn, you find yourself talking to them and you discover, yes, they believe in Jesus Christ. There was a Jesus Christ. He was a historical figure. But to your horror, and you don't want it to be so, they're walking in darkness, and they don't actually believe him. They'll say, oh, he died for everyone. Have you not read his words? Have you not heard his words? He said, the Son of Man did not come into the world to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for 
many. Isn't that wonderful to hear? He didn't say a few. <laughs> I know some of you are charged with this idea that we think that this is just the gospel for the few. No, it's a wide open gospel. It doesn't exclude, it's inclusive. When John wrote, for God so loved the world, he was writing that Christ didn't come into the world just to save God's elect amongst the Jews, but amongst all of the Gentiles. He has a people amongst the rich, the poor, black, white, Texan, or Canadian. And I don't know, Danielle, are you from Chile? Chile? Are you, where are you from originally? Spain. Spain. And he has people in Spain, but not everyone in Spain has been chosen to be saved. There are some people in Spain, some people in Texas, some people in Canada. God give you grace to hear the gospel, to hear the gospel. What is it to hear the gospel? Really? <laughs> it's to hear Christ, to hear his voice and believe him. He is the one that gives us spiritual eyes and spiritual ears so that we can hear him. And all this by his grace and for his glory. Now, the last question I'll deal with briefly, who are those that must be saved? We touched on some of that already. But the word of God is not silent regarding this. It's very plain. Who are those that must be saved? Those, <clears throat> those who are ordained to the salvation. Take a look at Acts chapter 13. And as I just stated and declared that, that verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right here in this chapter, in, in chapter uh, 13 of Acts, we see the elect of the Jews. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 30, 48. <clears throat> I'll begin at verse 47. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have sent thee to be a light of the Gentiles, for thou shouldest be salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, verse 48, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. The order there is tremendously important. It does not say as many as believed were ordained to eternal life. That's what false religion teaches. They, they condition salvation in the creature rather than in the creator. And we see very plainly here, as many as were chosen to eternal life, as many as were in the eternal covenant of grace before the foundation of the world, before there was ever a man in the world called Adam that sinned, in the eternal counsel within himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit purposed to save whom he will. And all those Gentiles that were ordained to eternal life believed. They believe when they hear the gospel. They will repent of their sins. They will seek refuge in Christ, rest by faith through his blood, and will be saved from condemnation. All those ordained to eternal life will be saved. No more, no less. Those, uh, the 144,000 that everyone gets so anxious about in Revelation, that's a picture of God's perfection, that he's going to save all of his people. Not one of them will be lost. 
the scriptures declare of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he shall not fail. And we read that in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, does the message change? Does it change, beloved? No. <laughs> Joseph hears from that angel sent of the Lord. In a dream, he had a vision. He was very anxious, troubled. His fiancée was pregnant, and he had not touched her. And he's thinking, maybe I need to call Mary's parents and end this quietly. And the angel came to him and said, no, don't be afraid to receive Mary as your, as your wife. For what is conceived in her is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you shall call his name Jesus. And I love all the shalls. <laughs> For he shall save his people from their sins. I'm not going to try and save everyone. This is the gospel that we rejoice in. God give you grace to see that you are an ungodly sinner. And that's all you'll ever be in of yourself, in your flesh before God. This is the gospel that saves God's people. If God loves you, he'll put you into the light of his darling son so that you can see what you are from the top of your head to the tip of your toe. And you can rejoice in that declaration of that other sinner, a dear brother in Christ, a true and faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. How often do people lie about what they really think about themselves? It's very rare to meet a real sinner, <laughs> an ungodly sinner. You, know, you ask someone who just has religion, uh, are you a sinner? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a sinner. But, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. But you should check out my neighbor. He's way worse than I am. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when God shows you in this room right here, right now, that you're convinced that you need Christ more than anyone else in this room because he's shown you far worse than any enemy could show you what you are inside your thoughts, what you think you're going to do, what you don't do. And he only shows it in part when he first saves you. But as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, oh, we become more and more convinced of it. We see that in the testimony of Paul. He said at the beginning, I'm the least of the apostles. Oh, what humility. He's up, way up here. <laughs> A dispensation of time passes, and he says, I'm the least of the saints. And just before he went to glory, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. That's a real brother. That's a real brother. Now consider what you have heard this morning in God's word. And that God's word, it's a, it's a never-changing word. It is, it is the truth. It is his word. And he commands you and me to believe on his beloved son. The, the gospel is not an offer. How often do we read? And again, it's the same message, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We sang from Isaiah chapter 1, I think it's verse 18. Come now. Let us reason together. It's not an invitation. It's not a suggestion. It says, come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. In the New Testament, we hear the same come. 
and it ain't an offer. Come, you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That invitation that is so frequently referred to as an invitation, and I misspoke, I think, this now. <laughs> that declaration of our Lord is not an invitation, it's not a suggestion, and it's to a particular people. It's not to everyone. Not everyone is heavy laden and burdened. But did you not have enough sin this morning? Did you not have enough sin today? This past week? Every moment is just filled with it. You sitting there where you are in your pew, do you not see your sin? Even just now, me behind this pulpit. Praise the Lord. He says, come. And he gives us the, the grace to obey that command. Come now, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He commands you and me to believe on his beloved son. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom God has sent. Obey this command and you will be saved. He who believes in the Son of God hath, I love that, hath, right now, present tense, <laughs> eternal life. God, give us grace to believe. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. The Lord Jesus Christ is our gospel. And God give you grace to hear. In this world, in this place, there are those who are taught of God and those who are not taught of God as yet. Our hope and our prayer is that everyone here will be taught of the Lord. When the Lord teaches you, He saves you. That's what it means. When Christ is formed in you, that's salvation. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, as it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God, all His precious sheep, both the lost and those who are found. We continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, of all, they will all be taught of God and all who hear the Father and learn of him, come to me. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, not through any pretended self-merit, but only through the merit of your beloved Son, the one in whom you are well pleased. Thank you for teaching us by thy grace that in ourselves there is no, no thing, nothing, that is well pleasing to you. But we look to your beloved Son and see that in him, everything that he thought, everything he did, Everything in his life lived out before thee was well-pleasing in thy sight. And I pray, Lord, that you would give all of us here gathered this morning according to thy holy will, according to the purpose and grace you've given your people in Christ Jesus from before the foundation of the world, that you would grant us repentance towards you, that you would stop the lying lips that say, I'm a good person, really I am, and give that Beloved lost sheep, grace to take sides with you against themselves and declare no one is good, no, not one, starting with me. And then point to the only good one, the Lord Jesus Christ, believing on him, believing that he is our all in all. When he cried out, it is finished, he accomplished 
a full and complete pardon of sin and a righteousness acceptable to you, Father, that we would be translated in the kingdom of God and be able to say, by your undeserved grace, salvation is of the Lord. Thank you, Father. We pray for Christ's sake and the good of thy people. In Jesus' name, amen.